This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated and Pete Sampson from The Athletic. It is Tuesday, January 21st. A whole bunch has happened in the last eight days since we last had uh, an Irish Illustrated Insider, beginning with Tommy Reese being named the offensive coordinator. We have more talk about assistant coaches. Uh, Irish Illustrated had the Swarbrick interview covering a variety of topics. Mike McGlinchey, Sheldon Day in the Super Bowl. Former Notre Dame defensive lineman Anthony Weaver, now the defensive coordinator of the Texans. Big news, Felipe Franks transfers from Florida to Arkansas and will almost undoubtedly be playing playing quarterback against Notre Dame in Game 2 next year. We also had a story on um, Notre Dame's top 10 assistants, according to O'Malley and me, under Brian Kelly. So let's start with Tommy Reese. Um, we, no one's, we haven't covered that enough. No, right? we haven't There's covered that enough. <laughs> we are we're, we're, we we under we understand that the the process of choosing the coordinator did not please a lot of people. We're not going to beat a dead horse with that. I guess we will still talk about that a little bit. But Tommy Reese, the inexperienced coordinator, I think for me personally, other than the inexperience, I don't have any doubts about him. That's a huge other than, but. I think he's going. I think he's a good football coach. I think he's going to be a good offense coordinator. But that will be judged by the fans, particularly in two games next year. Yeah, I I think I'm I'm fine with the hire. I think Reese will be a good choice. The process did not make a lot of sense to me, um, and I think it was it was strange that at the end of it, we're you know what are what are people are going to remember most about this? The three words. Exhaustive national search. I think it was extensive. Extensive. But point. Point taken. Yeah, um, that sort of grabbed all the headlines immediately. And it, I, I, if I was Brian Kelly, I would have, I would have said like, Reese is my guy. In the post game press conference of the Camping World Bowl, and if you don't like it, you can go pound sand. Like I, I think that coming out more, that would have been a much stronger. This is what we're doing. This is the guy I believe in. Lance Taylor, in addition to that, these are my guys. This is what we're going forward with it. Culture, experience, Notre Dame right. fit, all that stuff. Like That would have been a cool way to really come out hard for your guy and show them that you know, you've got their back. And I, I concur that it's – I have no reason to believe Tommy Reese is not a very good offensive mind that's going to do a good job. Now, obviously, inexperienced first year going against – the team CS did go against to win – uh, to get to the playoffs, Wisconsin, Clemson, USC, some others. We don't know, and we won't know. Um, it's not like Joe Moorhead or other guys <laughs> haven't had bad games calling plays either. Our fans wouldn't think they had bad games calling plays, so it's not really fair to judge them against Clemson, but I guess that's where we are now. My my concern, and I voiced it last Monday, is you lost a talented offensive mind and recruiter. I want to see Notre Dame bring in a talented offensive mind and recruiter with the vision that Kip Long had. Um, I don't mean the exact vision. The, a, a young or experienced older mind that can change some things in Notre Dame's offensive approach. Now, I think we have some questions on this, but Tommy Reese probably will, and we saw some of those in the bowl game. I don't think he's going to mirror Chip Long's offense. So maybe that's where the change comes from. No, we'll talk about that with questions in, yeah. the, in the second segment. And, it, Pete, interestingly enough, had Brian Kelly done what you said and just named him at that time, then the complaint would have been, oh, my God, Joe Moorhead was available, and you already named Tommy yeah. Reese as your coordinator, Yeah, which is – one complaint is no is I guess the same as the other. It doesn't really matter. And uh, again, we'll get into the maybe a, a little bit more of the specifics with 
the courting of Joe Moorhead, but we all kind of had the feeling that, I guess I didn't think it was exactly going to be like the Jeff Quinn situation. I thought he really would go face-to-face with a bunch of prospects, and that, yeah. to the best of our knowledge, did not happen. Uh, you know, just to recount Jeff Quinn, they had four guys interview in person, on campus, right. meet with players, uh, and Jeff Quinn was one of those four. I don't think that happened at all with the offensive coordinator position, <clears throat> certainly because there were no players on campus to actually talk to these guys, um, if that's what Brian Kelly wanted to do. I don't think... Brian I don't think Kelly, Brian Kelly was, Kelly was on campus during that time. So it's, I mean, it, that sort of adds to the like the process. Kinda, yeah, kinda you know, a little it, bit it, odd. It certainly does. And to go back to Pete's point about, I never would have thought of him doing that after the bowl game. And had he, it probably would come out better. Because we would have sat there. I've been like, well, I picked Iowa State. You're right. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about this at all. And also, <laughs> since, also since. He decided to address the process. He could have addressed the process just by saying, I considered many candidates, but Tommy Reese is my guy for this job. Yeah. That's like the that last is month, kind of more of what happened. The last month was, right. was it's like less an interview, about more, a, more yeah. a confirmation of like, this is a guy. I think this is a sharp, fast-rising coach in this profession, and I'm I'm betting big on him. Like, that, that would have been, a, I think, I, a, a cool thing and a huge statement to make. I absolutely agree. He's a fast-rising prospect in this profession. I think over in the long haul, he's going to be a very good offensive coordinator. But again, he'll be judged upon that first season. He won't necessarily be judged for how many points they score against Wisconsin if they win. You know, I mean, if it's if it's a low score, if they beat Clemson two to nothing, he won't be right, judged either. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, so, and look, when... You're when, right, you're when right. Clark you, can, Lee, you can get by with Exactly. The win, the win. And when Clark Lee, when USC had success in the second half, there weren't a ton of complaints, but you still heard from people saying that, you know, he his game plan was wrong, and so that was one game out of 26, and they still won that game. So maybe I'm wrong in... <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong in saying that about how many points they score against Wisconsin. But. I think we live in the uh, in the minority world of people that were mad at Clark Lee for the for the USC no doubt victory though, which no we, doubt which we enjoy me. because right. that's what we get to talk about right. a lot. Uh, I you know actually talking to fans, I guess I don't talk to a whole lot of fans that aren't really wildly into it. They're all kind of mad with how they didn't. Their perception is let them back into it by not changing, but. That's also irrelevant yeah. right now. People don't remember that game right now. They talk about it. I mentioned Michigan in our in our coach's column as being his lone stain, and some people were like, well, you know, it was 17-7. I, I totally agree with that. All the points count. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there might be more question as to how things went down to USC than there was Michigan. They just The floodgates opened against Michigan. We'll have plenty of time to talk about Tommy Reese and entertain questions from people that think it was a terrible decision on Brian Kelly's part. But we have a couple other topics that I would like to hit here, and that is the continued talk about – Assistant coaches, uh, Irish Illustrated first mentioned Durante Jones on January 9th. Pete, you were all in on that as well. Yeah. Um, Tom Loy was on top of that. It looks like that is the lean now. We've been saying Christian Parker all, all along. Green Bay, he's with Green Bay. Green Bay's now out of the playoffs, of course. Do we give Christian Parker any leeway for getting run over with his defensive backs? 
by the 49ers. You're never going to drill down that much. He must be terrible because... Uh, I, they gave up less than 100 yards passing. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't teach tackling, obviously, Pete. I mean, there's... He wasn't in charge of the Packers' <laughs> DB, so we, we can't do that. But Durante Jones but appears... we could if he was. Yeah, <laughs> appears to be leading again, giving Tom Lloyd credit. He was the one that came up with John Lilly, the name who's... who's t- with his background at Florida State and Georgia, would be outstanding. The new name that he's thrown out there is Clayton Adams. He's with the the Colts. His background as a tight end coach is is very very good. Tom also mentioned Terry Malone, uh, but that was just more on uh, I think him maybe following a couple of the coaches. I don't think that we've heard anything concrete with him on that. So um, nothing concrete yet on that. But it's looking like Durante Jones, and we'll see about the tight end position. Earlier this week, I had an interview with Jack Swarbrick. We talked about a couple different things. Brian Kelly's contract extension, which they're still working on, but it sounds like it's a uh, it's a mathematical prob- problem that NASA would have trouble working their way through, so as it's taking guys, time. As you guys said last week, it's nothing right now. It's something in June. <clears throat> right, right. right. It, it's, now it's just not done yet, is I all just, it comes like, down to. I mean, like, it was on... It was at the board of trustees meeting in October, like they were discussing this. So it's not. Yeah, it's going to it's going to happen. But uh, especially with a guy that's in his eleventh year, the contract becomes a little bit more extensive. There's a right. there's a few more right. twists and turns and avenues uh, that they have to go down. And I certainly and I don't think any of us understand that. And neither do most people, other than the attorneys that are handling it. When I came out with the, I broke it down into three parts, and and one of them was. Jack Swarbert talking about Tommy Reese and how he supported the decision, and everybody said, well, we knew what he was going to say, and yet you still read the story to see what he said, to complain about what he said. It was a pretty good story, a pretty crazy story if he didn't support the decision. No, I agree. I agree. But everybody else has had an opportunity to express their opinion, including, including thousands of people anonymously. So I thought that the vice president and the director of athletics had a right to say how he felt about it on the record on Irish Illustrated. Thus... The story. Yeah. Uh, the third story we did was talking about the bowl game and the Orange Bowl. And, and to Jack Swarbrick's credit, he admitted that, you know, he said, I really didn't. I thought there was going to be, I thought the window would be open a little bit yeah, more for Notre Dame. But when you have all those SEC and Big Ten teams in the top ten bunching their way in the top ten last year, it worked against Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, the, the Orange Bowl stuff, I... Um, I find it a little bit aggravating just from the standpoint. It's like the reverse of ACC coaches who complain about Notre Dame taking their Camping World Bowl right. slots or Citrus Bowl slots. Like the ACC is totally entitled to have the yeah, Orange Bowl and it as really it is. and it really it was probably overplayed to some degree by myself the day before Stanford the ACC's role in it. It was yeah. really it was more about the SEC and the Big Ten. It just and I like, thought this happens and it's fine. Yeah. Like, you know that that the, these are the breaks being yeah, independent, right? And I thought that Jack Swarbrick's comments about it were interesting in that you have three parties to appease with the Orange Bowl. You have the ACC, the SEC, and the Big Ten. And with ACC, it's kind of ACC slash uh, Notre Dame. Uh, but it, I mean, it would have been it it would have been and will be moving forward that if Notre Dame gets a bid to the Orange Bowl when it's not part of the playoff system, they're going to have to play an ACC team. And it could very well be a repeat opponent. I was surprised that nobody criticized Jack Swarbrick saying, you know what, had it been Virginia again, yeah, that would have been okay. I don't think it would have been okay with most people, but there's a lot of things that aren't okay with most people. <laughs> it's kind of an angsty bowl season in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, the 
the Reese stuff, I you know, whenever I talk to him next, I'm curious more about the the process, which is what we talked about at the beginning of the segment, just in terms of like we all know how it worked with Jeff Quinn in the offensive line interviews, and I think for the most, like I believe I've talked, we both have talked to Chip Long at some point about like when he interviewed for the job, it was on campus. He meets with Jack Swarbrick. He meets with Father John. Like, doesn't seem like any of the candidates really got that far. Um, so maybe, the, and that's why yeah, I, I get back. That's why I get back to my first like. If it's Reese, just go with right, him. Right. Yeah. Say, this is my guy. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get a, an open book about the Probably process not. of that. Probably. Uh, I, I, I tried to sway it in that direction, and it wasn't going to go in that direction. And as you've experienced, Pete, in sitting down with Jack Swarbrick, and there's always a multitude of things to talk about and a short amount of time to do it. So you have to be judicious with how you use your questions and your time, and it's like, if he shuts the door on that, I need to move on to the next topic, and so we didn't explore that much further. But uh, Tim, did you want to say something about that? No, I, Pete, going back to what your point, I can't imagine the reaction had that happened after the bowl game. No, but it would have been better than than what played out. But that's mm-hmm. a lot of foresight to know that. I think it's important that. Well, People would, feel, feel they, lied to. They they had just right? won the game they thirty just, three to six. Don't you okay, feel like, okay, don't you right. think like people just feel lied to? Yeah, the, no, the I offense got, looked yeah. great. Like yeah, I, that's why the extensive national search right. were those through. I just feel that like just, you that say wasn't, that wasn't necessary. You say that's my guy. I thought I considered all these options. Of course, I considered the options. You guys consider the options. I consider the options. He is the best option. Right. He has proven it to me over three years of rising this profession and the ideas he gave me in December and and prior to yeah. Tim Long. I mean, you're, you know, he's not going to make Long, but he, Brian Kelly doesn't have to make excuses for choosing Tommy Reese, but that came off as part of a way of explaining it and compensating for those that are going to yeah. be upset because, I mean, it was pretty universal. Everybody wanted Joe Moorhead, um, and including Oregon, and they got. <laughs> They got their man, and Georgia got their man, and Todd Munkin, and uh, Brian Kelly got his man. I, think, I mean, this gets back to I think a point O'Malley has written a couple times. It's just like when you lost Chip Long, that there were you know for some of the negatives that came with it, there were way more positives. <laughs> right, and you want to add those back in, whether that's a tight ends coach, whether that's an offense coordinator who coaches your tight ends, whether that's shifting around your staff. Like I think Joe Moorhead would have been a real value add to the staff. If you can make it work, maybe, and, and maybe I don't see how you would have had to have lost Tommy Reese to make it work, though. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you would have lost Lance Taylor. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure how all that all those. That's a good you, point. You got to put the pieces together so they fit. Not just these are the three pieces that I want. Right. They have to fit. And maybe um, he's not sure if it would have worked or not either. Yeah, they jumped the gun. That's a possibility as well. I'm, uh, I'm sure. told from another source that Tommy Reese had another interview lined up when Notre Dame pulled the trigger. On him, and it was a as well he should as it, he's a rising right, young and it, right, coach. and it was a it was a notable Power Five conference team, and let's just leave it at that. But um, yeah, so I mean, it was he is in great demand as a guy like Moorhead and Munkin? No, uh, but he's a he's a rising. Uh, I don't want to say star, but he's a rising talent talented within yeah. the, within the profession, and uh, and he's Notre Dame's, and we'll see how that goes moving forward. The last thing I want to cover in this segment. Uh, let me double check. Yeah, um, is um, our top ten? And um, I do. Pete brought up something about Chip Long. We had him tenth, and that's too low, really. I, I think. But neither one of us rate him higher than that. I had him not tenth. Yeah, we, no, both had him, him no, we both okay. had him ninth. Ninth. Yeah, 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 I had him ninth. Yeah, we both had him he ninth. Should have been fifth. Fifth, huh? 
Yeah, he, he thought he should have been fifth years. in years. Yeah, that I think helps. that's a good. That's and they good won number. 32 games when he was here, and he was a really good recruiter. And their offenses were mostly pretty good. They ran the ball. They threw the tight end. Does well, it what more do you guys want? I want him to not be fired for inability to yeah. work with his fellow coaches. That, for one thing, that, <laughs> that obviously yeah. ultimately swayed <laughs> that's our. That's our what votes. swayed mine. Yeah. I like the winning. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I do like the winning as well. I see both sides, but I think Pete makes a good point. We had. Um, Tim and I didn't agree. Uh, we agreed on the top three, but not the order. Uh, and I dropped Harry Heastand to three because I, I said the component was the recruiting part mm-hmm. of it. And then I rated Chip Long ninth, which is unfair because he's a very good recruiter. But yeah, I liked Elston at one. I thought that was kind of a an, like at first you you I would you talk about these lists. I think about coordinators have to be number one. Yeah, he, and he's not. He had Lee like one. I, I had Elston as but one. I but I liked Elston as one. <laughs> uh, I really like Lee as two. And then it was he stand three, three, Diaco four, and then I would have had long five, but everything else. You would have pushed everybody. Would you have pushed them back one? Yeah, because yeah. then Alford would be ten instead of a tie for ninth right. with long. Right, and well, I would the rest of the order. I thought was good. Yeah, and I, you know, I Brian Pulling, what he's done with recruiting, the way he's organized it, his effort involved in it. I, you know, I really think on some levels he deserves to be in the top ten, but we could have said top twelve, and it wouldn't have been. Wouldn't have mattered. Just for the record, Mike Denbrock was number five. Chuck Martin was number six. The late Bob Elliott was number seven. Uh, Mike Elko was number eight. I had him five. Tim had him ten. We're using different criteria. My criteria was Mike Elko's arrival at Notre Dame in 2017 had a long-lasting effect, of course, with, with Clark Lee. I could have bumped him up one or two just for not taking Clark Lee with him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe he deserves some more credit. For right. That. Thank. Yeah. Uh, but of course, at that point, Clark Lee yes. knew he was in the running for the coordinator job. So Elko was eight. Tony Alford was nine, and, and Chip Long was ten. I, I tend to agree with Pete that he should have been up a little bit higher than that. But those were those were all to, uh, top. Those were our top ten. I've never seen a longer argument against an honorable mention. Did you see that on our message board? I did. Wow. Was against Dell Alexander. I mean it was a it was a what? It was a six or seven paragraph Polian put- was honorable mention and then Dell Alexander. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I read the story. I didn't yeah. know somebody would argue against an honorable mention. Man, oh yeah. I mean it was a it was a heartfelt uh hmm. plea that he should not even be included on the wow. honorable mention. I, I Tim, our point, Tim and me, were was um I mean, he de- he developed a, a lead receiver each year, and he the counterpoints of that were he did not develop those lead receivers well enough each year is what kept I, going. I mean, right. Chris Fink was a. I read the whole thing. I just didn't agree with it. Lead, I did the dissent. I read the whole thing. Oh, oh, okay. I just disagree with it. That's fine. I mean, um, Chris Fink was. I mean, a really, I, I, he he struggled early in the year because he was hurt, but otherwise, he was a really good receiver for two years. Eight, Miles Boykin, counts. yeah, he was Miles really Boykin good. came from nowhere and become became. The lead receiver, I realized that his his stats weren't off the chart for the number one guy. And then Chase Claypool developed into a, a tremendous college football player. And Kevin Stefferson hit the ground running. Yeah, it's like... Underdell Alexander. Underdell. Yeah, he says, remains in my honorable mention. <laughs> sure. I'll leave him there. Yeah, that's a weird yeah, argument. Yeah, right. And now we just spent a bunch think, of time yeah, talking about that. I talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's, uh, that's enough for segment one. We'll be back segment two, burning up the boards. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Segment two, burning up the boards. First question from Kaiser Wilhelm. Is the Tommy Reese hire the most controversial coordinator hire at Notre Dame that you can remember? Mm, probably so, because social media didn't exist with right. some previous hires. Um, but I, I, don't know, I, I think that judging hires before they've coached a game in their current positions is a bit dumb. Because, like, look, we can't. Well, we just, don't know. Yeah, to say to yeah. just flat out say choosing Tommy Reese was wrong, that's that's, that's too premature. I, I understand the concerns, but to say it was a bad choice and the wrong choice, it was a, like to well, me, controversial it, it is different was, than wrong. Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. Good, controversial. It, it, it it's is. It's a good I mean, bet, but it's a bet. But like pretty much every coaching hire is in some capacity, right? Like Clark Lee was probably a bigger bet than Reese in some ways, even if he had more experience, because he just hadn't been around enough. Like, he didn't have a built-in history with Brian Kelly at that point, where Kelly knew exactly what right. he was Reese getting. Right, Reese is a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he, he played the position under the quarterback position. I think Clark Lee had more to learn, and he would admit that. From when yep. we talked to him the first time, he said, I used to, he used the straw as an analogy, I used to be able to kind of, if you can imagine a straw in a cup, that's all he had to do with the linebackers, and now he is. I have this giant, yeah, giant opening to drink from, and I have to. It's, it's going to you know, garden the proverbial garden hose. Yeah, he's that's what it was for him in his first spring, and boy, he adjusted pretty quickly. Jim Coletto was not that a was popular. My name. That yeah, was my Jim, name. Yeah. Jim Coletto was not a popular choice for the first cor- uh, offensive coordinator under Bob Davey, but and it turns but out, but he, he had been he had choice. been a coordinator. He had been offensive line coach. I don't I don't like offensive line coach slash coordinators. That's that's way too much to be responsible for. That's Jeff Quinn. It's yeah, but he, didn't, but he didn't call plays. No. Um, I d- yeah, it's so. just like, was Brian Van Gorder controversial? Less so, but like, obviously did not work. John Tenuta, Corin Browns. John Tenuta. John well, Tenuta well, was like the home run hire. Yeah, I was going to say. The only thing controversial there was that there was a co affixed yeah. at that point. There was no reason for that. But as it yeah, turns but out, as, it as far as you know, like controversy when they were hired, yeah, Brian Van Gorder wasn't a controversial hire. No, at yeah, time. but I mean, that's the point I'm trying to make is like the perception today before they've done anything is kind of like no. the least important thing in their tenure. But, but in answer to the question, you know, about controversial, sure. no, I can't. It's hard to come up with one, certainly in recent memory, that, that is. Uh, way to go, way to go, K man. Did Notre Dame choose Reese over Moorhead, or did Notre Dame and Moorhead ever meet? Uh, so, well, they hired Reese over Moorhead. I mean, that's question that one. That's certain. Yeah, uh, meeting. My hunch is no. Not not a traditional interview on campus sense of the word of a meeting. There were there were certainly. I think meet has to be in person. Yes, yes. Yeah, there were certainly yeah. conversations, but Phone I, conversations I think the question like. means like did. Did Notre Dame choose Reese over Moorhead, or did Moorhead choose Oregon over Notre Dame? Notre Dame chose Reese over Moorhead. That's correct. That yeah. is correct. And, because, or, and Oregon chose Moorhead over Reese. Right. So, you know, different different priorities right. based on two different head coaches. Um, 
Yeah, you know, I mean, is it an interview if you don't meet in person? I mean, I guess it's a... Yeah, I guess. Not in this... Not... No, it's not. Not for a college football office coordinator in Notre Dame. It's not an interview. There, there were, as, as far as we know, there certainly were conversations, but we don't have any evidence that it was done in person. Denver Maximus with Lance Taylor as the run game coordinator and Tommy Reese as the OC. Do you anticipate a change in the run blocking scheme? With so many stuffs over the years, it would be interesting to see what, if any, changes are made to minimize these and have a consistent rushing attack. Abandoning the run against better teams is something you cannot do if you want to win. I actually included this because I, it was under, I was under the impression, Pete, that you had written or said nope. something about a change in run-blocking scheme. And, and I, would you, my, would you no, like to now? Not my lane. I, I, was, I would like to see more of it. Would yeah. uh, like to I, see more changes or just more running? More run-blocking. More run-blocking. <laughs> the, the better kind, though. The like better whatever kind. the better kind is, that's what I'm for. She's the better kind. That's well, good. like anything else, like a three-four front or four-three right. fronts, just the change is all you want, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, one's not better than the other. They both work if you coach it well and you have personnel to do it. It's the same as when you get rid of a aggressive defensive coordinator. You got to bring in a more prudent one. When you bring, get right. rid of a defensive coordinator like Bob Diaco, you got to bring a guy with a bunch of schemes. Cerebral, yes. cerebral, yeah. or, cerebral, or aggressive. All aggressive at heart. And I understand, you know, if you're a if you're a man-on-man run-blocking scheme, that I mean, I. Your pad level tends to be better. I, I get that. I would also think that your pass blocking is probably not as good as the zone blocking uh, offensive front. I would push back on abandoning the run against better teams. Like I don't think that that happened. Well, yeah, Chip said they went into the Georgia game abandoning the run. Right. Chip but, mentioned Clemson. He wished he ran more to give Book a chance to not have to win the game. That in retro, in hindsight, yeah. that was his one regret. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right, though, that that plan. As you mentioned before the yeah. game, Pete was going to Georgia. They're not going to run. And Georgia in seventeen, I think Chip was not quite sure what he had or didn't have with his offense. Like I don't, he he never would have asked Wimbush to throw it forty times again um, after that after that game. I mean, that game they started Freddie Cantina and Cam Smith, I believe, at wide receiver. Uh, um, there a problem? You know, that, that, that offense was. <laughs> Highly developmental back then. Yes. Um, well, they brought them in because they didn't trust any of the receivers. Right. That's kind of the point of those it guys. Took, and it took a minute before they got there. So, yeah, it's, you know, in terms of Notre Dame's commitment to the run game, I I guess I, I hope that it's unchanged. Uh, maybe they go about it in a different way, but I don't, I don't think they need to run it anymore. I you certainly know, don't want them to run it anymore. They less. need, to run it, there was they need tweaks. to run it better, not necessarily sure. more. There were that's... tweaks in November and especially in the bowl game, though. There was more offset Tommy Tremble at fullback and quarterback under center and stuff like that. That takes away. I mean, that just naturally is less yeah, and they of did, an RPO you know, read, right? Right, and they certainly expanded the you know the jet sweep stuff and, and getting outside the hash yeah. with your quicker guys. And that's I know it's not conventional stuff, but it – it helps loosen things up. Let me just read the next question to tie in with it. TDISU19, do you think there will be any philosophical changes with Reese compared to Long? Will Notre Dame scrap the RPO system in favor of a more conventional run game? Will the offense go back to the pre-long system like we saw in 2015? There's a couple of questions in there, but to address 2015 real fast, because I did something on stuffs in 2015, because I felt Notre Dame was stuffed too much, that great running team. Ohio State and Ezekiel Elliott were stuffed more. You know why? I wanted to ask you Because football is a little different now than we remember it. You can stop the run if you 100% decide to stop the run, but you will give up long runs when you miss a fit. Frank Kelly has been this for years. He has been. And box. if you'll give up the pass. But, like, yeah. Pete, remember you would say, I don't understand why people are playing Josh Adams this way. Yes. Yeah. 
They would get I think stuff. I asked Brian Kelly. Yeah, they would get stuff, stuff, stuff. Seventy-five, yeah. and that's what Ohio State was in 2015. Yeah. Not to go too much, you know, onto a different team, but this is probably what I meant to say. I think there are philosophical. I think there'll be philosophical tweaks to the running game. Well, I, I don't. I mean, I look. You don't want you don't want Ian Book running as much as he does or did. Now you had to do what you had to do in order to be successful, right. and perhaps at some point next year they revert back. To him running more in a designed way. He'll have to against Clemson, have to. like Trevor right. Lawrence had to against Ohio State. Right, but you can't keep putting your quarterback at risk like that. You've got to be better at the conventional yes. running game. And that starts up front. And I, you have six, basically six starters returning, and you need to be a lot better than you were at it last year. We have eight months for me to lament this, but I think it really hurts that they can't obviously go in with a plan beginning day one of spring in August that they are a 12-package team. With Cole Komet and Tommy Tremble. I think that's going to affect some philosophical changes. I'm all for them going back to the offense of 2015 as long as they have four first-round picks, a second-round pick, another second-round pick, a third-round pick, a, a backup future Heisman Trophy candidate at running back, and a fourth-round pick at tight end, and then two other senior receivers who are really productive. I'd be happy to go back to that offense. Whatever system you want to run, if you can run it with that personnel – Awesome. It will be a success. I don't know that they scrapped the RPO system, but there really wasn't. When when all was said and done, there was a ton of read option stuff, but was there was there actual great usage of the RPO? I, I don't know that they scrap it completely because I think I think that's modern offense yeah. moving forward. It needs to be a part of what you do. Um, but I think it become you know to use the word conventional. I think it becomes a little bit more conventional with Tommy Reese as the coordinator. But do we really know that for sure? Not going, just going by one game, and that's no way to go. It's different players are going to be there, right? So. Right. And when it's his full time yeah. job, he's going to handle it much differently than a stop stopgap game. Irish gambler. It feels like Notre Dame's offensive line should be and will need to be a dominant force in twenty twenty. Do you think it can be? Can for sure, definitely can be. I mean, I think this this line <clears throat> should be should be outstanding. I mean. It, it's six, not, it's six gonna, starters. Back. It's not going to be the fifteen line um, in terms of sort of natural ability at the very top, but five starters back. I think one hundred fourteen starts among. I I, I think that's the, the that total. Lug? I think that includes yeah. lug. Um, that's a huge huge number. Um, I think Aaron Banks has a massive amount of room for growth. Um, and you know, Tommy Kramer was trending, so I could see yeah, him. Kramer and Hansey were in a really good spot. Yeah. Patterson will be better. Um, you know, Eichenberg's definitely getting better and should so, take that next yeah, step so as well. Can be, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent can be. Doesn't matter if it's not against Clemson, though, right? That's the whole problem people have. But your two thousand fifteen uh, line that was awesome I, struggled against. Well, whatever. Find Clemson. a way to win the game. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. like if they go eleven and one, That's and the true. offensive line is great for in those eleven wins, then it does matter. And like, people, yeah, I'm with you. I'm and, just and people don't bemoan abandoning the running game against Georgia this past year if they win. People don't bemoan not being able to run against Georgia, you know, the previous year if they win. They That 2017 game, there was no way you could move the ball because they two found year, out Brandon two years prior. Two years prior. prior. Yeah. You found out Brandon Wimbush couldn't run the offense that Chip Long wanted, and you couldn't run on Georgia if you ran 75 times. Yep. It's amazing. They almost won. Their D was great. Not Jay Tafel won. We are seeing Brian Kelly hitting the recruiting trail. Do you expect Kelly to become a grinder? What should be Notre Dame's recruiting ceiling? I expect him to be more visible in the short term, whether that 
carries over through the extension of his contract remains to be seen, but it appears that he is out and about more now, and that's a good thing. Um, as far as ceiling, you know, I mean, I, from a ranking standpoint, I really don't care about rankings that much. Um, I mean, top five, I think, is it's a great goal. I think it's very difficult for Notre Dame to reach that goal because five-star – Numbers said, hurt it a little bit too. When you're, no, when you're they did. The they did. Ranking, but yeah. I mean, as far and I've said, used this term before. Five-star recruits, the path of least resistance does not go through Notre Dame. If you're a five-star, you expect to play on on Sundays, and a lot of those guys, most of those guys, don't want to go through the Notre Dame process to get there. I think Notre Dame's challenge mm-hmm. is to figure out which guys do. Um, yeah. Yes. Who you know? Are there more Kyle Hamiltons out there than one every other year? I would argue that there absolutely are, and Notre Dame needs can do and needs to do a better job finding them. And when they do, Brian Kelly's got to be all over them. Um, well, they might have gotten three this year because Michael Mayer's a five star recruit. I mean, let's sure. just be fair to the. It doesn't matter where you rate them. <laughs> I agree. Just, no, I agree. Um, so yeah. yeah, if they can keep that up and 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 then not have to backfill completely yeah. with some grab bagging. Because then... like I think Priester's point about are are a lot of five stars not interested in going to school <clears throat> at all? Uh, yeah, yeah, but. Whether those guys were four stars or three stars, they weren't coming to Notre Dame anyway. Right. You know, you gotta you gotta find of thirty five stars who are the dozen that have an academic inclination because a, a bunch of those guys are still ending up at Clemson, and Ohio State, yeah, and Alabama. It's not it's not they can't go to class. Um, they Notre Dame needs to be able to present themselves as like a better option than those other schools because, like, I mean, remember. Um, you know, Jordan Fuller a couple of years ago went to Ohio State. Uh, Jeffrey Akuda, a super high academic kid in high school, also went to Ohio State. Like, Notre Dame would have been a great fit for those guys. Um, so figure out who, who's that guy in 2021. And then figure out how to take a kid away who's interested in leaving his home state uh, for Ohio. Indiana's just one state away. Um, and then you got, you got to make that pitch. I think it's a good point because maybe the difference is just that those five stars keep seeing Ohio State, Clemson, yeah. Alabama I in the playoffs. That, I yeah. think that is. And Notre Dame was, yes. well, it was a, a one and out, or at least up to this point. Keenan, 1W, can you talk in general about your impression of the state of the program? Who Notre Dame wants to be and what Kelly slash Swarbrick say in public versus what they believe in private? We're in the most stable place we've been in decades. Is that good enough, or does the institution care about national championships? There's a lot, a lot in that question. O'Malley, do you want to start? I mean, they care about national championships. It's, I think people are. You do need more talent in to win the national championship. Pete has tried to get this point across. Um, They had a lot of talent the year they went to the playoffs, and they still had less talent by far than the team that beat them. Mm -hmm. They had a good amount of talent this year, and I don't think they could have been in that game. With this is winning the national championship. I'm not talking about upsetting someone in a playoff game. I don't think they if they were they would have been the four, let's say they're the fourth team in, okay? And played LSU in the stones. Or or Ohio State or Clemson. I think it's a very bad game. So there's yeah. a the, I think the talent level has to be raised. The developed talent level has to be raised. And recruiting is the way to it. The guy that they that has was fired from the program, left the program, harped on we need more players, Chip Long. He said it publicly, but he talked two times a year. That's why that's why I referenced it's, the 2015 offense, as Chip um, said that directly. It's like 
man, I wish I had this kind of talent here. Like, what do I got to do to get that? There have been talented enough teams um, to win playoff games. That and was it, a playoff offense. Yes. Um, well, I think it would have been a playoff defense with a different defensive coordinator. And I don't want to sound like a fanboy that says those things. Yeah. Look at who was on the defense. I mean, you have Sheldon Day, Jalen Smith. You're building around those guys mm-hmm. right there. You have... Can you imagine? Matthias Farley and Kavari Russell are playing in the NFL. I mean, this is there's enough there. Can you, you imagine know? Clark Lee as a coordinator with that kind of talent? No. I mean, he would have been he would have been excellent. I, but they don't have that every year. Not, not to act like that, that's there yeah, every but, year. Okay, and then getting back to the conversation about the five stars and their guys that can come to Notre Dame, but still, I understand why Brian Kelly has turned this into a traits program because we all know that Notre, the Notre Dame environment is different than these places. It's a small little school. It doesn't have 45,000 students on campus. It's different, so the traits are important. So Notre Dame does have to balance that fine line between pursuing five-star players, but then if you, there are some five-star players that get to Notre Dame and they're not a fit for there, and they're going to be gone in a heartbeat anyway. They found the ultimate three-star steal, and he is the reason the word traits exists, and he never came back to play. Kevin Stefferson oh, yeah. was the greatest steal you will ever have as an early enrollee three-star, Period. He's the reason the word traits now exists at Notre Dame. It's him. And now they use it for everybody else. It's, yeah, well, I, mean, I think there, there I think there were some guys from previous years sure that helped were, build us up yes. to that point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and another thing is looking over where Notre Dame's offense is compared. Like you have you win on offense now in 2020. Like the, the whole defense wins championships. It's like it can it can help you, but you better be able to put 45 points on an elite defense, which means you've got Burrow, Tua, Lawrence, Fields, um, Deshaun Watson, you know, even Jalen Hurts to a certain extent. Like Ian, Ian Book is in this kind of a, an arbitrary statistical group with Jalen Hurts of regular season 3,000 yards passing, 30 touchdown passes, 500 yards rushing. It's just Hurts and Book for regular season only. Um, you got to have a quarterback at that level. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. It's that the teams that are in the playoff have that quarterback at that level and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Justin Ross and Jordan Jefferson, who was a two star recruit, as, as pointed out, and every time he makes a single play. <laughs> but um, they're just loaded at the offensive skill positions. Notre Dame needs to build to that point. I think the class that they have coming in is a step in the positive direction that way. Bill V six one one eight. Any more news on Javon McKinley? Is that a school? Is that the school or a coaching decision? How helpful would his return be in your estimation? I heard again, albeit from the same source, that he has told people he plans on coming back and playing football for Notre Dame next year. I still don't know. Well, that he, if that he, means he wants that to he come will be back. playing football for Notre Dame next year, but that doesn't mean he knows it. Um, I don't know why a school decision would get in the way if he was readmitted and he graduates on time from Notre Dame. Right, it's a previous infraction of which you didn't. Just, yeah, let's say he's a better. Do you player. really think that so that's what's in, your, you no, think I don't. That's what's I, in do, play? I, I don't. That's what I'm saying right okay. now. Is it a school decision? I don't think so. I think that he has come oh, back from that, and he is that is now in, just in his past. Okay, and if he made a mistake like that, obviously he'd be kicked off again because that's you know it's all part of your. Well, resume. then I guess it comes down to: is it a school decision? Is it McKinley's decision, or is it a coaching decision? I would. A coaching decision, you wouldn't not want him back knowing you're going to get down to 84, right? They know if they're going to make it down to 84. Yeah, what, last year at this time they were well over 90, yeah, right? They, I mean, they know how close they're going to get, more yeah. so than they know which guys they can be jettisoned, or the guys yeah, they can, can talk we, into going. Yeah, let's head yeah. that off the pass before anybody starts worrying about the numbers. 
this is a it's an easy year for them to hit eighty five. At least yes, easier right run, now yeah, for sure. Now McKinley versus the the um, how much of a how much of a help would it be? I don't think it's a huge help. Unless you have an injury, right? Or of two. course, that's why, that's why you want him on the team, right? You, he's, but I don't know if he would. He's not going to win the job. Well, he's he right. He'll be yeah. a W, and Kevin Austin will be a W, and Skoranek will be a yeah. W. Or, Let's say Austin's or an X. Austin, Austin could flip over to X because he has cross trained. But they've all they've all cross trained to a large degree. That's a little McKinley bit McKinley was a good story last year, but he has to do that against someone besides the yeah. two teams that everybody rips on Ian Book for being great against. No doubt. See John. C, the letter C, John. I know you've had very limited visibility to Kevin Austin over the past season, but make an early prediction for his impact on the team next year. A, knocking off the rust with less than 10 catches. B, a contributor, less than 30 catches. C, go-to receiver, less than 50 catches. D, next great Irish receiver with more than 50 catches. A and B are out because it would be something different is that something goes wrong and he's not doing any of that. So I'm removing A and B. He's not going to come to Notre Dame's team next year with Ian Book and no other proven receivers and no proven tight end and catch less than 30 passes. No, that's not an option. So while bad could be an option, it's not because he goes to the field and isn't any good. Um, I think it's between C and D. Go to receiver. Well, wait, one's with less more than, than 50, 50 catches. Good. Next great re- Irish receiver, He's. De- I think that might be in two years. you got to knock off a little rust. It took Chase Claypool the full four. Yeah, that's why I go yeah. C. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I, is, he, I, is he more likely to have 66 catches for 1,037 yards and 13 touchdowns or 43 catches for 515 yards and 6 touchdowns? Is he more likely to have a Chase Claypool stat line or a Cole Komet stat line? Hopefully in between. A Miles, Bo- stat a Miles Boykin stat line would be the one. 800 catches, I, 8 touchdowns. Right, but I, I, still believe, yards, touchdowns. I still believe that, and I don't, we, we can't get too caught up in specific numbers because that, right, can, that right. can vary and you're playing 13 games. I mean, I still think he's the go-to receiver. Who, Without Komet, yeah, his mean, numbers who, go up if he's a good player, like we think he is. They have to. Yeah, I mean, Boykin was 54, 803, and 8. I could see that. That's reasonable. That's a reasonable Kevin Austin. We're throwing numbers that's out a, there. That's a re- yeah. I think that's a reasonable high end. Yeah, it's a reasonable Kevin Austin yeah. season, don't you think? High end. High end, yeah. I think it's because, like, read Chris Finks. It's not going to be 50 and 4. That wouldn't be enough for Kevin Austin. If it's 50 and 4, they're not good enough next year. They don't have enough options. They, they don't have. He has to be their best offensive weapon, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, unless Lindsey takes a really significant step forward and, you know, he has to physically be able to get through 13, not only get through 13 games, but 13 games in where he's going to have to play a key role in virtually every one of them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, Skoranek wouldn't surprise me at all if he had yeah. 30 catches yeah. for 500 yards. And, like, they haven't had a second X who has really been able to rotate with mm-hmm. the first X or come, or really been close. It's been like the first X is great, and the guy behind him is never Young plays. Young learning never um, plays, yeah. This, this will be the exception to that where you know, Austin is the most physically gifted, but I think Skoranek is, a, is at, at worst, I think, should be a really solid number yeah. two. Can Joe Wilkins get healthy? He's had knee That's issues. That, right, he would right be now. He would probably have an opportunity to be the second X. Lawrence Keyes moves into the Z position. I think yeah. Far Armstrong moves into the Z position. Well, that could that, that, well, that could very well be. But with the, I, I, I thought that that would happen if Tony Jones came back. I think it, it makes it a little bit more problematic to go ahead and make that move. I'm, real quick, I did do a depth chart story today on the Athletic for off. Like you're too deep at receiver starters: okay. Austin Keys, Lindsey, backups, Skoranek, 
Wilkins, McKinley if he's back. Put McKinley sort of outside behind Lindsey, even though he's like completely different body type. I don't know. Well, I mean, anything's possible there. Yeah. I, I don't know that he fits that position. I don't know that they're comfortable with him there. I don't know who else, like. Well, well, well you, have Jordan, John, you have Jordan Johnson, Johnson coming in. Oh, yeah. Strong. Jordan Johnson. You know, yeah. Trying to guys. stay away from freshmen. And, Z- yes. and I think. I, Xavier Watts. Xavier, I really think Xavier Watts. Just the mature, the physical maturity with which he plays the game, I just yeah, I picture him is, in the mix right away. I guess I'm sort of like, this is spring. on the first day of spring. I got you. Okay. Otherwise, you have to talk about it a little too if, much. Xavier <laughs> Watts is like well, pushing well, on the first day of spring, like, hey. Okay. I think that are all set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think. He, I mean, I I think when spring ends, we're going to say Xavier Watts is he's right there in the mix and is going to be a significant contributor contributor in the fall. All for it. Judge Arthur Vandelay on November 7, twenty twenty, Clemson will be the best team to visit Notre Dame Stadium since a USC O five B Florida State ninety three C Miami eighty eight or D Connecticut two thousand nine. That's a nice little. <laughs> I enjoyed that, Arthur Vandelay. Let's see, Zach Frazier, Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> It's a fine line. You know what there. I see here are two wins and two losses, and Connecticut's got one of the wins. So yeah. we. Uh... <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good the point. Two great teams. Yes, they beat the two great. Well, teams. I guess USC yeah. was was great. I mean, if, a to me, a is clear, and I, I don't even know. There's nobody after that team that, like, I was somebody who's asked me like, you know, the last real title contender to visit Notre Dame. You could probably go USC two years later in 2007, right. but it didn't matter. But that's it. Yeah. Like that. That was really the last one. Like the the great, you know, I hate to say great Michigan State team that came here in 2013. Because at the time you didn't know. No. You thought they were just good. We didn't know Michigan 06 that blew out Notre Dame would be a contender to the end either. And then right. they got lit up by USC anyway. So yeah. Um, yeah. US because USC 05 was the generational team coming in. That was. Yes. That's a generation. And Clemson yeah. could be, well, Clemson really, well, Clemson let me just, really would have been had they won that game. Let me give you a quick rundown, real quick rundown of what they have. Trevor Lawrence is coming back. I, Travis Etienne coming back is the most frustrating thing <laughs> I think I, I've I, ever heard. I think I saw Pete's tweet on that for some reason and nothing else. I was like, is he like just tweeting me as a joke or something <laughs> like that? I was like, you've got to be kidding me. What's going on? All right, so Lawrence <laughs> is back. Etienne is back. Lynn J. Dixon is back behind him. Ugh. Justin Ross and Amari Rogers are back, but T. Higgins is gone. Woo! Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ross, will, Ross will move to the boundary in place oh, of Higgins. Uh, the tight end, one, one of the guys that got uh, suspended for Austerreen before the, the playoff game, well, he was suspended last year, so now he will, Braden Gallagher will likely move back in the starting lineup. Oh, he had a for their, play in the national championship yeah, game. Four of their five offensive linemen are gone. Uh, Jackson uh, Carmen, their uh, left tackle, is the only returning starter. Mac, Matt Bockhorst, who is their yeah. top backup, will move into the starting lineup. For the third straight year, they'll have a new starter at center. Their defensive line is intact. That's the worst word on there. Their, de- their, de- their starters and their depth is back. Isaiah Simmons is gone, fortunately, for college I mean, there would be football. no reason to have a conversation. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ian Book but but ATN coming back is almost as <laughs> ridiculous as ridiculous. that. And Isaiah look, Simmons no plays way. every position. It's either, better than ATN's coming either back. Either Travis ATN is make, will make more money his senior year than he would as a rookie in the NFL, or he just loves being a Clemson. And I'm kidding about that. Um, he doesn't get hit much. When he yeah. does, he breaks the tackle. So yeah, he enjoys it. I think his first career, he's averaged. 13 carries he's, per game. I mean, he's he's, he's tremendous. But Simmons and ATN. But Simmons is gone. ATN is back. 
three of their four starters in the secondary Terrell line. Was Terrell big. Uh, and and Muse, who mm-hmm. you know, um, you never thought looked good, but was was always effective. Terrell, I remember I texted both of you guys early in the championship game, like Terrell, my God, this guy's Jesus, look how good he is. And then he got torched the rest of the game. Yeah, it's not it's all his fault, man. No, <laughs> no, no. Heisman Trophy winner no thrown to a first-round pick. No doubt. And you're so, just one guy. Right. So that's just a quick little recap. So I don't know where that falls in with A, B, C, or D. But definitely better than Connecticut 2009 and somewhere in between those other things. I mean, it's, it's hard. The, that USC team in 05, it's like you had two Heisman Trophy winners yeah. on that team. And Liner and, and Dwayne Jarrett. Let's put, also good. Let's put it this way. Um Dabble Sweeney will have them ready when they come to Oregon State. No doubt about that. All right, that's it for today's podcast. We will be back onto our Monday schedule uh, next week. We thank you for joining us on Irish Illustrated Insight. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.